Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. I picked up this week from reading my newspaper that residents in the Trafford area of Manchester are not very happy. That's not because Manchester United have lost or anything like that. But they're not very happy because in an area of the town where there used to be a beautiful Victorian warehouse with a mural on the side of it, the local authority has decided, instead of the mural, to put up a 56 foot by 56 foot digital billboard. This is what it did look like. That was, that was what it was like. That's the original mural. This is now what they've decided to put up. So just to give you an idea, there's a car there in front of it. Next picture illustrates it even worse. They're not very happy because they can't sleep at night with this billboard. Even though they close the curtains, they close the blinds, still the light coming through from this enormous billboard keeps them awake. Passengers are even claiming that the giant sign is visible on planes coming in to land at Manchester Airport. If you look at this one, that is not Old Trafford with the floodlights on. That is that billboard that you can see on an aeroplane from Manchester. One person commented, it's a blinding, distracting nuisance and should never have been built. Whilst another said, it's so bright, I feel like I get an x-ray every time I drive past it. <laughs> I can understand that because actually around the area of the city where we live, not 56-foot billboards, but we've been getting lots more of these digital billboards and they can be very bright. And they can be very distracting. In our scripture this morning, we read of a distraction. We hear of another encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisees. He had many of those, as you'll be aware. And whilst the Gospels and the biblical commentaries often present the Pharisees in a very negative light, here we see that some of them are not very hostile to Jesus, or so they seem. They actually warn Jesus. They come up to him. They tell him to go away, flee, because Herod is trying to kill him. At some point in time, Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. That seems quite a nice thing to do. Friendly warning. But what was the purpose of their warning? Herod had already been tricked into killing John the Baptist, as we know. Was that actually his intention? Was he that ruthless? I want to take you a little bit further on into the last days of Jesus' life. Because Herod did in fact meet Jesus. We know that. In Luke chapter 23, we read that Jesus is taken to Pilate. 
But Pilate decides, because it's not under his jurisdiction that he's from an area controlled by Herod, he'll send him off to Herod. And we read this. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. From what he'd heard about him, he'd hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. Hasn't Herod got opportunity to, to kill Jesus here? So this seems to be quite paradoxical with what the Pharisees are saying to Jesus here in Luke chapter 13 that Herod wanted to kill him. He's pleased to see him at first. All right, he doesn't get the answers he wants, so then he turns to ridicule. But actually, he sends him back to Pilate. He doesn't take him into his own custody. So what were the Pharisees doing here? Did Herod really want to kill Jesus? Or was it a ploy on the part of the Pharisees to try and distract Jesus in the hope that he would just simply go away? Or was it perhaps that they wanted to use Herod's threat to scare Jesus out of Galilee, which was Herod's jurisdiction, and actually scare him into Jerusalem where they could deal with him properly? We're not really sure what their motives are. We're not really sure if Herod really did want to kill Jesus. But one thing we can see from this short encounter is that Jesus refused to be distracted from his divine mission by the dangers and the frustrations that were there. Biblical commentator Stephen Cole says this, whatever their motives, Jesus' reply shows that he knew where he was going and what he had to accomplish in the sovereign will of God. He was moving steadily toward the cross and he would not be deterred by the threats of Herod or the Pharisees. The words reach my goal and must show the divine necessity that propelled Jesus. Jesus is making it clear. His upcoming death is part of his mission. He knew that. Jesus was going to die. But it, was got, it would have nothing to do with Herod making threats. Jesus' death was the completion of his present ministry, and he knew that. You see, the death of Christ was determined by God's sovereign will, not by man's evil designs. Jesus' mission was to die for the sins of the world. And despite the real and present danger, Jesus persists, though others don't understand or accept the reality of this situation. I wonder how often do we get sidetracked from the new thing that God is doing? Because this is a new thing. Somebody dying for the salvation of the world, that's a new thing. But how often do we get sidetracked from the new thing that God is doing in and through us, sometimes even by well-intended people. We can't see that it's new. We don't, we're resistant to change. One of the most difficult challenges that we face when embarking on a fresh start 
is that of distraction. I'm quite sure that you can look back in your life at times when you faced obstacles to a fresh start. You wanted to do something new, but obstacles have come. You've resisted the change before you because of distractions. Throughout the Bible, there's plenty of times when God's people did exactly the same. People of faith who've resisted God's purposes, been put off track by distractions. But Jesus refuses here to be put off from his divine mission. We're called to follow that example of steadfast purpose in fulfilling our mission. So if we're going to make a fresh start at the beginning of this new year, we're going to have to do it with steadfast purpose. How would you define distraction? Well, the dictionary defines it like this. Distraction. An unplanned occurrence that tempts you to shift your attention away from something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. According to research, the average person is disrupted every 40 seconds when working in front of a computer. Every 40 seconds. We can't work for one single minute before we want to focus on something else. Sometimes it's easy to get back on track. At other times, research says it takes about 20 minutes to refocus on the job that you've been distracted from. Now, I'm not a scientist, but Chris Bailey, the researcher, suggests this is the reason. Humans are hardwired for distraction. We're set up to be distracted. Our brain's attentional system is programmed to respond to anything that's pleasurable threatening or novel. We even have a novelty bias where our brain is flooded with a pleasure chemical, dopamine, whenever we focus on something new. No wonder we're distracted all the time. It's within our human nature to be. And you know, distractions aren't just a modern phenomenon. They've been around for a long time. But I just think in this day and age, there's more and more things that are craving our distraction. One of the ways that the AV guys at the back talk to me, if there's something going on down there that they want me to know about, is they send me a text message. And when I ignore it at the beginning of the meeting, Rob O'Connor then goes <laughs> like that. Claire stops the meeting and says, I think they want you at the back. I know they do. I've got it in my pocket. It's buzzing. How many times do you set up an app on this machine, a smartphone, and it says, we would like to send you push notifications? No, go away! How many times this thing goes off? If we actually physically were disturbed as many times as this thing disturbs us in our pocket, we'd soon get fed up. I just checked my phone. During this meeting, I've had 11 notifications. Now, if somebody had shoved me 11 times in the last hour, I'd have been quite brassed off by that. So why do we put up with it on the gadgets that we have? Because things are not nearly as urgent as we think they are. 
What about idle curiosity? We have so much information at our fingertips. Kerry Newhoff, uh, the, the church leader, says in one of his blogs this, the challenge of working in an online environment is the world is literally at your fingertips. The distractions are a click or tap away. It takes tremendous self-discipline not to go down the rabbit hole of the internet from social media to mindless Googling of things that don't really matter, like the surface area of the sun or who invented the straight razor. Curiosity is a great thing, but idle curiosity that produces nothing not so much. I don't need an enemy. I have one. It's a perpetually distracted me. How true is that? Most of the things that we are distracted by are good things. Every time I read the story of Mar Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10... I always read it and I think to myself, do you know what, Mary, Martha's really a bit hard done by here. She gets a lot of criticism and yet actually all she's doing is she's wanting to make tea, she's wanting to make sure that the king of kings is the most welcome in her home. She's doing something good and yet it's described really as a distraction. It was productive, it was meaningful, but it wasn't right. And so for her, it had distur disturbed her and taken her away. And actually what would have been better for her would have been to sit at her feet and grab the few minutes the King of Kings was actually in her home. Distractions always appear good. They always appear good. We all know that with experience, interruptions reduce our productivity and yet the story of Mary and Martha also teaches an important lesson not all interruptions are distractions some interruptions are more important than our current productivity if Martha had stopped getting the tea ready and seen that Jesus coming into the place that was a better interruption it wasn't a distraction it was good. Mary was interrupted from her daily chores. She was just like Martha. But actually, this wasn't a disruption. Coming to the feet of Jesus was the best thing she could do. She teaches us a vital lesson of choosing what's important over what's urgent. Choosing what's important over what's urgent. You know, not all interruptions are distractions. Elsewhere in Luke chapter 10, we read the story of the Good Samaritan. A situation where the Samaritan is interrupted on his journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. He comes across a severely injured man lying in the road, a victim of robbers. That could have easily distracted him off his journey. Could it have been classed as a distraction? For those others that just walked on by, it clearly was an unwanted distraction. But Luke tells us that instead of maintaining his current task of traveling to Jerusalem, the Samaritan went to the victim, bound up his wounds, put him on a donkey, and took care of him. Do you know, sometimes God interrupts and distracts us 
because he wants us to do something else that's more positive than what we're doing. God interrupts us and distracts us because he wants us to do something more positive than what we're already doing. Are you open to God's distractions today? How can we tell the difference? That's my problem. How on earth can we tell the difference between a distraction and a godly direction? Well, John Bloom gives us just a simple idea. Clarifying your clear calling in any given sense of life, season of life, can help you discern what God wants you to prioritize. January, beginning of a new year, fresh starts. What has God objectively called you to focus on in this season of your life? There's a question for you. What has God objectively called you to focus on now in this season of your life? Not later on in the year, not last year, now. What does he want you to do? Be willing to say no to that distraction that feels urgent to faithfully focus on the clear God-given task that's at hand. That's what Jesus did. That distraction seemed urgent. Herod's going to kill you. No. I'm not going to focus on that distraction. I'm going to focus on God's clear purpose for me and what he has for me in hand now. And that is going to die in that city for the sins of the world. You're not going to send me away. Do you know what? I find the hardest part when embarking on a fresh start, the biggest distraction I ever have is of building momentum. It is actually starting. Do you remember last summer, after I'd been in the hospital, I talked about the need for me to be getting myself a lot healthier. Couch to 5K. This morning, I was going to bring in to you this morning and show you my Bobby Dazzler running shoes. But I got distracted and I've left them at home. If I had brought them in, I would have shown you that those shoes that I bought in August haven't seen one bit of pavement yet. They're still as they were. The labels are still on them. I have the clothing. I have the little thing to put my phone on so that I can run to music. But do you know what? The biggest distraction to me and a fresh start is actually starting. I'll find, I've, I've managed to find distractions for the last five months to not actually doing it. First of all, it's September, we're a busy time. This, we're coming back off holidays, a lot going on. Right, we'll have time to do this. Then it gets to November. Right, couch to 5K, that takes six, seven weeks. Uh, Christmas again, no, no, that's not going to work. I'll start again in the new year. New year come. A bit cold today, isn't it? <laughs> do I really want to go running in this? Or do I really want to go walking in this? No, 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 no. Nah. Distraction, distraction. The biggest distraction to my fresh start to a healthy life was actually starting. Imagine if you've got a huge stone wheel, as big as you, 
weighing so much and you've got to move it from A to B. Trying to start this wheel in motion will be hard work. And actually, it might take a long time just to get one turn out of it. But then as long as you keep pushing, the next one will come. And then if you keep pushing, because it's started to get momentum, it starts to pick up speed. And do you know what? Actually, you're not pushing anywhere near as hard as you were when you first started the thing in motion, because actually it's got momentum. You know, sometimes when it comes to fresh starts, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Success requires us to keep focused, to keep pushing the stone, small step after small step, without distraction in the same direction. Little acts of focus result in big influence and big impact. Gosh, so many things I want to do for a fresh start. But distractions keep coming in the way. Jesus refused to be distracted from his divine mission. And if we're going to have a, a, a make a fresh start at the beginning of this year, if we're going to make this year count for God, then we need to have steadfast purpose too. Sometimes we can be distracted. Sometimes we resist the vision that God offers. Sometimes there are people around us like the Pharisees, like the, the inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem that can't see what God is doing, can't see the new work he wants to do, can't see the fresh start he offers, and so seek to inhibit what we do. Well, this morning I want to say to you, when God offers a fresh start, he offers vision, strength from unexpected places, sometimes in ways that we don't recognize so that we can be persistent in our God-given purpose and face the challenges and distractions that come our way. Friends, I simply want to ask you that question that I asked you again. What is God objectively calling you to focus on in this season of your life? Is there a fresh start to be had? And what's distracting you from doing it? How are you going to deal with those distractions? Are the distractions so great they even stop your beginning, like me and my running? When God offers a fresh start, he offers vision, strength from unexpected places so that we can be persistent in our God-given purpose. What is God asking you to focus on in this season of your life? Time for a fresh start, folks. Let's just reflect on that message. And as we do this morning, as we reflect on some of the distractions in life, let's bring Jesus to the center. Because as we bring Jesus to the center, as we discern what he's saying to us, then we can answer that question. What has God objectively called us to focus on in this season 
of our life. Not next season, not last season, this season. Now, what's God wanting you to do? What's God wanting you to deal with? What's distracting you? Jesus, be the center. Come, be our source, be our light. Be our hope, be our song, be the fire in our heart, be the wind in the sails that doesn't distract us but, but pushes us in momentum along to be all that God wants us to focus on. Jesus, be the reason that I live. So what is God focus, wanting you to focus on in this season of your life? And what's distracting you? Join with me as we sing together. And let's just put Jesus at the center. Let's, let's ask him. Let him show us. He who was steadfast in his purpose, let him show us what we should be doing today. Thanks, Tricia. Jesus, be the center. Be my source. Interruptions are distractions. Perhaps God's wanting to do his own push notification in your life this morning. Just give you a tap on the shoulder. Say to you, hey, I want to just interrupt you. Don't want to distract you. I'd like to interrupt you though. Because I'd like to show you 
what I want you to focus on in this season of your life. I want to give you the strength, the vision to actually create some momentum and to get this fresh start going. So let's just close our eyes in the quietness just now. Let's just ask ourselves honestly that question. What has God objectively called you to focus on in this season of your life? What's distracting you? How can you do something about it? this morning together. Lord Jesus, we can see just from this encounter in the scripture, we don't know why the Pharisees were trying to warn you, but one thing we do know is that you weren't distracted from your mission. 
Your mission was to go to Jerusalem, to die for each and every one of us, to take on board yourself the sins of the world. And that had to happen. And nothing was going to get in the way. Lord, we realize that in living for you, in being disciples, we want to do your work. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to live a life that pleases God. And yet we're very conscious as well. There are so many distractions that just take us away from hearing your voice, from making fresh starts. And so this morning, as we just come to you, Lord, interrupt us, interrupt us, tap us on the shoulder. Show us what should be the focus of our life in this season of our lives. And don't just show us, but give us all the strength that we need. Give us the vision. Give us all the resources that we would require to, to get the momentum going and to keep it going, to start as we mean to go on. Lord, we need your help. And so in this season of fresh starts, come, be our help this day. We ask our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. So many distractions in life. One of the great things about coming to the meeting on a Sunday morning is we come to be with God. For some it might mean clock watching. For others it might mean other things. But actually, when God comes amongst us without distraction, these are beautiful moments. And we're so grateful. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.